Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to carry on this morning and continue when, from what uh, we started talking about last week. Such an important subject. And I believe that this morning God begins to reveal His glory because I think that we're learning a few things from the Word of God concerning the revival of our hearts. As I mentioned last week, and I'm going to give you just a backflash, just a little reminder of what we last spoke, and I'm going to give you another principle this morning, hopefully not keep you uh, too late. But the title of this short series that God has given me for you and for myself is called The Essentials of Revival. The essentials of revival. Say it with me. The essentials of revival. If you look up that definition of that word, it it means for us the absolute need. The no excuses other than. Something absolutely necessary for. And this is exactly what I want to speak to you concerning revival. We've spoken a lot about revival over the years. I've certainly touched on the subject more times than you could probably remember. And we're going to continue touching this subject until Jesus comes. And as we have to, because revival is what God is coming to look for in the end. He's not coming for a dead church. Make no mistake. Oh, when he comes, he's going to revive us. No, you better be alive when he gets here. Come on, somebody. He's not coming for a dead church. He's not coming for a church that's slumbering around and just doing nothing, tending to their own wounds and just living their own lives, eating and drinking and marrying, as the Bible says. He's not coming for that church. He's coming for a revived church. A church that bears his name in their heart, that lives after him, that follows him, that worships him and declares him. That's the church that Christ is coming for. The question of the hour for each one of us, not necessarily corporately, but courtly as well, corporately as well, is are you alive? Are we in this church alive? Is your family alive? Are you alive, dad? Are you alive, mom? Young people, are you alive? Because if you're not, we know that no one knoweth the hour when the Son of Man comes. And if he came at this very moment, it would be such a tragedy for the church to be emptied of those next to you. And yet you remain warming the pew you're in and have warmed for years past. Mm. Mm. This is not a very shout me down sermon. I can guarantee you that, I'm sure. Because it will challenge us. Anytime you get the word of God, it's got to come and move things around in the furniture of your heart. It doesn't come necessarily always to comfort you because God knows when you're hurting and you need that comfort. But when it becomes comfortable, God begins to shake the furniture in your heart. The way you've placed things in your heart. And he comes in as the owner of that heart as you declare to arrange his furniture the way he likes it. Amen? And that means that if you have stuff hanging around in that heart, in that home of his, 
that is not agreeable with the way he wants the home of your heart to look, he's going to get that and throw it right out to burn it. That's when we complain because though there are certain artifacts in our hearts that we like. Where are you taking that? I've had that for years. I don't like it here. But you know how much I paid for that? Really? Wow. That was a bad investment. God will change the things in our heart. And we're talking about real things this morning. Revival. To remind us of the true effects, the true results, the true signs, the essential signs of when you begin to see a people alive in the Lord. I'm going to move through my notes here that I have for the sake of just being focused. We're speaking of the people of Israel and them returning to Jerusalem again after several, several years of bondage under Babylonian captivity. This 40, 50 years before that they had torn down the, the temple, they had torn down the walls, they had destroyed the city and they had taken them all captive to do as they pleased with them. And because of that turmoil, the trouble in their lives, I'm sure that many of them missed it and began to flounder around in the kind of life that they were given by these people. But there were those who were consistent with God even during their captivity. And it would be this group of people after they were set free from this Babylonian captivity that would come back to Jerusalem to find the house of worship torn apart. Now if you read, and I'm, I'm sure many of you have read the book of Nehemiah, and you'll find this whole story and how it took place. And for the sake of time, I won't go through too much history in it. But the book of Nehemiah is considered by many the book of revival. Revival awakening. Because it speaks to us of a people that found themselves in a dead position, yet yearning for true revival once again as they used to worship in the house of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you make this observation, but when you look at the church today, you find a lot of things happening that don't reveal the real life in Christ. Hello? Hello? If you look at the church, not in a judgmental, critical way, but just simply look at the church and how it functions. If you look at the populace in the church, if you know Christians outside of the walls of this church here today, outside of your family, in the workplace, you find Christians. And you'll find that their lives don't really match up with what you understand scripture is. How many can give me a witness this morning? But yet Christianity flows in their mouth as if nothing. Oh, I'm a Christian too in the middle of every F-bomb. Oh, I'm a Christian too while they're sitting down or heading off to a bar. Oh, I'm a Christian too where they're sitting there doing this or the other that again are offensive and not nurturing to a relationship with God, not proving that these people indeed have a relationship. God is looking for something genuine. Come on, church. How many are looking for a counterfeit God? How many want to worship a counterfeit God? There's a lot of those. You can go find anywhere in any corner store. How many want a genuine God? 
a real God. You see, a counterfeit God, yeah. A counterfeit God will give you counterfeit things, counterfeit promises, a counterfeit word. That in the end when you decide or the time comes to cash in on what they said, you get this much. You get nothing. But when you have a genuine, real, true God that makes you promises and he says, though the heavens and the earth will pass away, my word will not pass away. When it's time to cash in, when eternity comes and your time to collect your reward, if you believe that God's word, you will receive the promises he made. That's what we need in our lives. That's what you need. That's what I need. And so these people come back to Jerusalem and they find this city torn apart and their hearts are yearning for true worship once again. How I pray that our church would begin to yearn for true worship. How I pray that we wouldn't have to do but just play a simple chord if that was going to motivate you but to step into real Worship like that. Some of us need a whole album to begin to warm up. Some of us need to travel miles to go to some concert just to kind of warm up. But how many can just think of Jesus? And worship begins. Amen. You think of Jesus and worship begins. See, when I think of the days of old and the days of the apostles, they didn't walk around with their earphones and their iPhones playing Spotify. No. No, no, they didn't walk around uh, with their laptops sitting down and trying to get frequency to get YouTube and watch something that's going to motivate them. No. No, no. They walked around with a heart filled of Jesus. And anywhere they stopped, all they had to do was think of him who was worthy. And they would begin to worship. How long does it take you to start worshiping? Hmm. I'll leave that there. But these people go, and of course you know the story. They ask for this permission to go in and begin to build that city again. And so then we begin to think see things in their lives that instantly begin to happen once the building began to build and things begin to come in order. The first thing I spoke to you last week, if it's the essential of revival that you're looking for, is what they teach us in Scripture here in the book of Nehemiah. They had an earnest hunger for the Word of God. You remember we spoke about that? They had an earnest hunger to obey and to hear the word of God. Let's read this just for refreshing this morning. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 5. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the streets. That was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra, the scribe, bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding. The first thing they asked for when they got there, what they were hungry for, was not necessarily the aesthetics of the building. Let's, let's just get all these things going and make it really pretty so that it will become the most beautiful building in the city once again. No, no, they said let's, let's go to the foundation of what really builds this church. 
how I pray in my heart that people come to Rock of Ages, not because it's pretty or because we've invested so much to do this or the other. You have nice soft pews, but you come because in this pulpit you'll hear the Word of God. Because you'll hear the Word of God. That there are no excuses and no apologies to open the Word of God and preach it as it is. Don't have to butter it up. Don't have to give you fairy tale stories. Don't have to kiss you in the cheek. Don't have to give you coffee in the pew. Don't give you a donut to put you to sleep. But give you the genuine, unadulterated Word of God. How we pray for that day. I go there because... Music is good, and yes, it is. But I go there, man, because they preach the Word of God. And that's what builds me up. That's what keeps me on a daily basis. These people ask for the Word of God. They go on the ride out and teach us that their hearts were crying. They said, bring us the true Word of the Lord. And Ezra stood on a raise on a wooden pulpit and read God's Word for six hours. What a big meal. What a big meal. What a, what a sermon. What, what a word. To read out of God's word for six hours. Into the, these people were starving. They had room. I'm sure he cut it short after six hours because this was a daily and continual thing. They wanted the word of God every morning, every day. Their bellies were empty. Their hearts were empty of the word of God. I wonder, ladies and gentlemen, how many Christians today walk around on empty bellies from the word of God. And the only word of God that Christians have today is, well, I heard somebody say. The other day I was listening to the radio and they said. Well, the other day my mom said. Well, I heard my dad say this. But they have no word of God for themselves. It's all watered down, secondhand information. People don't carry their Bibles anymore. I was going to have a show of Bibles, but I'm not. This is what they've become. I remember years ago, ladies and gentlemen, when Rock of Ages was in the gymnasium having church, and we were. We're having our, our uh, what do you call it, transparencies. And we have the girl here to testify. This young girl here has been with me since the beginning of our journey here at Rock of Ages. And she would sit there, uh, not here, but over there in front of the, uh, a screen that we would pull down. Kind of like that one, but a little one we had. And she'd sit there and she'd put the transparencies on. And everybody would sing the songs. What you see now and the computers and stuff like that and all these screens, uh, she was the computer. And she had to make sure, because those things are upside down. I, never, I could have never done that. I would have put every song upside down. So you have to know that you flip it around so it will come up and project properly. And so everybody would look at that. And then we sing another song and they pull it off and, and put another one. But then the awfulness, listen to me, the awfulness of this came. Yes. Pastor, it's awesome. No, it's not. Oh, man, look, we have a big screen. We have LEDs, man. How much money that costs? That's wonderful. It's terrible. 
I was literally fought in my office to get these things. Because I knew what would happen to you. I knew what would happen to you. Show me your Bibles, everybody. A lot of us missing Bibles, but thank God we have a good number of people carrying their Bibles. But for some of us, this replaced carrying our Bibles. And we have a big screen. And it used to be when we used to go to church before, Sister Eva. Some of us who were blind in the eyes carried a large print, an extra large print Bible. Like me, the letters were like two inches. And still you do this. But we don't carry a Bible anymore. And you know what that develops into? A lack of reading God's word. You know what that develops into? A bad habit of not even caring where your Bible's is. I wonder if I told you people to go in 10 minutes and go get me your Bible, you'd have to go through your closets and everywhere else. Why? Because when you don't use your Bible, you forget where it's at. I forget a lot of stuff that I don't use. Where did I put it? What did I do with it? There has to be a hunger for God's word, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to live a revived life, if you want to experience the revival of God, you have to love his word. You have to be hungry in the morning. I love when I speak to my brothers here, several of my friends that I have here at church. I say, what do you do in the morning? Well, I get up and I pray and I read my devotional. I read the word of God and then I take off to work. That's beautiful. Thank God for our men here in the house. But I'm sure several ladies do that as well. I love Christians that do that, to wake up in the morning, pray, and we, we give you a free devotional for the Lord's sake. Just to read, to enrich your life and move about your day. But some of us don't even do that. We'd rather listen to some song from Hillsong or Elevation. Nothing replaces the word of God. Nothing. I don't care if it's a million seller. Nothing replaces the word of God. These people cried out for the word of God. They cried out for the law of the Lord. We don't preach the word of God in many pulpits anymore because it makes those that are complacent squirm a little bit. I don't like it there. That guy's judgmental. Who died and made him king? And that's all your flesh complaining. The word of God coming to pierce your flesh. Wanting make to make you squirm. You can't take it. You want to put excuse and blame somebody else because you can't handle. You've got so many ugly things in your heart that when God's word comes in and it shines a light, all the roaches begin to run. The word of God, essential for true revival. True revival. It washes us. Remember hyssop? I talked to you about hyssop that. Beautiful aromatic flower that they used to clean off and sanctify homes and people in Scripture. Let me give you something else this morning. Another essential of revival, ladies and gentlemen, is this. It's a genuine heart that is broken in repentance. 
these are not very top popular subjects on the pulpit anymore. I should be talking to you how to make more money. Maybe I should be talking to you about how to grow your business more. Maybe I should talk to you about vacationing and having more fun in your life. But those aren't essentials of revival. Those are good things that you may experience, but they're not essential for revival. These people show us what happens to people who truly want revival. They not only love God's word, you remember this. They not only loved God's word, but they let it do its work. You need to write that down somewhere. I need to love God's word and I need to let it do its work. You see, God's word works. It doesn't come into you and just sits there and fills that shelf in the bunch of books you may have in your heart. It comes to work. It's alive and effective, the Bible says. It moves, it changes, it transforms, it breaks, it comforts, it builds, and it tears down. Oh, we love the building, we love the blessing, we love the comforting, we love the peace, but when we speak about tearing down, don't give me that word. I'll go to a church where they make me feel good. But they love the word and they let it do its work. Nehemiah 8, 6 through 9. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, uh, the great uh, God. And all the people answered, Amen and Amen. And while lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And they read from the book of the law of God, translating, giving the sense so that they understood the reading. They understood what was being said. Then Nehemiah and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. But they laid low. They let God's word begin to pierce their heart. The first reaction, ladies and gentlemen, we miss this a lot. And as we go in this series, you're going to understand that I, I'm not speaking bitterness in the house of God as a constant because we want revival. Because there is great joy included in this series. But for those of us who want God's word, we'll have to let it do its work. And normally when God's word comes, it comes to clean it comes to clean. How many need cleaning this morning? If you live the day in that world, come on, how many need cleaning this morning? Yeah. Every one of us, not me. Oh, yes, you do. Just that arrogance right there needs to go. We all need cleaning. Every single one of us, you go and mess and rub shoulders with the world outside of this building, you'll need cleaning. I had an individual one time tell me, listen, I'm saved. Uh, I, I happened to, yeah, he was a musician. I happened to go and I, do, I play at this club, but I do worship on Sunday morning at my church and this and the other. But man, understand, I'm a Christian. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't, I don't do anything. I said, but when you get out of that place, you're not going to tell me that you don't smell like sin. But I don't participate, but you smell like sin. 
Smell your clothes after you've been in a club the next morning. You felt like you were a drunkard that night before. You know, when the Lord saved me, I was a musician and I did all that junk I'm talking to you about. I didn't read any books about how, what kind of life that is. I lived it for several years as a musician. But when the Lord saved me, I was a guitar player, a professional guitar player for a long time when I used to play out in the world. And I had my guitars, as you'll see me, and I would take my case to whatever place I was, whatever venue. And I'd play that night and I'd go home and. When the Lord saved me, they, they knew I was a musician, and obviously in the churches, they always need someone to help them with worship, and I wanted to as well, but I went home after I was saved, and the Lord cleansed my life, and I gave my life to him, and I opened my guitar, and when I opened my guitar, the case, it, it had the smell of every bar room, every venue, every dance, every party, everything in that guitar, my guitar, and I loved my guitar, and I opened it, and the, the smell and I closed it, and I kicked it under my bed, and I didn't play it for 10 years. Ask some of the guys here. I was pastoring Rock of Ages in this place. The Lord gave me the gift of playing piano as well, and I started playing piano here at the church. Remember, sister? But I never played my guitar because I couldn't handle opening it and smelling where I was yesterday. But then the Lord had to speak to me and change my heart. And spoke to me about that gift he had given me and how it was for him and how dare I not use it for him. In spite of where I had been, he had cleansed me and made me born again. And so I took my guitar out and I cleaned it and I did everything I could to the case. And I perfumed it, dropped every drop of perfume I could that changed the smell. And it went away after these years. It's been 35, 37 years now. And I thank God that I opened my guitar case and it smells like Jesus. But it comes to change you. People today reject God's word because they don't want the change. They don't want the, ch the challenge to, to change things. They were excited to hear God's word. And they said, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. But right after they heard God's word, they heard the commandments of the Lord. That very same word brought them to their knees. Because the word of God is a light. And it comes to shine even in the dark places. <coughs> even in the dark places. Ladies and gentlemen, where there is true repentance, there is a humbling in the house. They bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. All the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. They trembled at God's word. And they took it to heart. Even though they were hungry for God, the Lord said, yes, come on in. But I need to change where you've been. It's impossible. And I understand that God continues to regenerate us and sanctify us as we go in life. But I'm telling you, something has to happen when you come to the altar and receive him as Lord and Savior. That's not a means to an end. That's just the beginning. When you come to the altar, just because you say, Lord, be Lord of my life, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. There you go. You're saved off on your happy way. No. All you did was give God the key to your heart. Now he's going to come in and fix things. That's when people run away from God.
Salvation is giving God the keys to your heart and say, come into my heart. Have your way with me from this moment on. Do whatever you want, but make me agreeable to you. Make our relationship, God, be genuine, real, and forever. And God says, really? Okay. Here. But don't move that. Here, but... Can I keep that? I mean, it's out of the way. You can move freely. The Lord will take your heart, young people. I don't care how you want to justify the kind of life you may be living. Just because you have no guilt of what you're doing, I'm telling you, God is a righteous God. His ways are much higher than yours. Ha, ha, ha. But how can that do wrong? Does it make any sense? Well, it makes sense to God. God will fix it. This is why people don't love God's word anymore. Paul's, the book of Timothy tells us about that. that. We're living in a generation, that generation is now where people become lovers of themselves. I like what I've done. I like who I am. I like to think I'm a nice guy. Don't you? Do you think you're a nice person? No? Come here, let me pray for you. No, you're a nice person. I met you. You're a nice girl. Are you a nice guy? Yeah? Ah, how proud. No, but they're all nice people. All of you are beautiful, nice people. That's your opinion. Right? That's your opinion. Ask God. Ask God. If God says you're awesome, man, cha-ching, you win. And if he says, yes, you are, but let me fix, and you let him work, bing, you win again. But if you say, you'll like me the way I am, this whole idea of come as you are, come as you are, but he'll never leave you as you are. Oh, he'll take you any way you are. Absolutely. Everybody needs to come to this altar this morning as you are. But just know this, that when he gets a hold of you, you're not leaving the same as you came. Come on. That's what salvation is all about. These people loved the word and they let God's word do its work. When a Holy Ghost revival comes, everything changes in your lives. Crowns and accomplishments are brought low. Attitudes, titles, wealth, positions, even grudges and indifferences and philosophies and opinions contrary to God's holiness are torn to the ground. We have testimony of that. You remember Isaiah? Call him a prophet. I would think that he was okay. But he went into the house of the Lord and he saw the Lord. And the only thing he could cry out was, Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I have seen the Lord. You would think, oh, Lord, nice to see you again. How awesome to be in your house. No, the light of God, even in the little corners of his life, he must have had a problem talking to his neighbors or something because the Lord shone him immediately when he took a look at the face of God. Woe unto me. 
You remember Peter in the boat going along, crossing Galilee? And Jesus got in the boat with him. He didn't realize that it was him. But the moment he took a look at Christ and found that he was naked, he jumped in the water to hide from Christ. You remember Adam? Adam was in the garden walking around and all of a sudden they transgressed against the righteousness and word of God. The devil came in, separated, brought a, a separation between. And when God came looking for Adam, Adam was hiding behind the shrubs. Adam, where are you? We always meet here in the park. We always, and remember? This is our meeting ground right here on this bench. This is where we picnic together every day. We have great conversations. Where are you? He said, I heard you were coming. I saw that big flashlight from heaven coming. And I realized that I was bare before you. Who told you that? You see, that's what the devil does. He, he, he brings you that if God had not shown up, Adam would have lived his life in sin as millions of people do today without any kind of conviction. But when God shows up, he changes things. He changes things. He changes things. We have proof of it in Scripture. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I told you not to? Have you done something wrong? Are you hiding something in your heart, Adam? I see it. Whenever you open your heart to the Lord and you begin to love his word, always be ready for God to make those proper changes in your life. If you are willing to submit unto God, he will make you more than you ever imagined you could be. I say this humbly before you, and I'm going to close because time won't allow me to carry on. But I go home every day after 37 years of ministry, ladies and gentlemen. Every service today, I kid you not, neither am I sitting here, standing here in arrogance. God knows my heart. I still wonder how I ended up in this place. I had other plans. My heart was somewhere else. It wasn't here. I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be speaking to you from this pulpit now for 30 some odd years. I was voted the least likely to succeed at anything in my life. Never thought I'd qualify for anything except what I thought I could reach with my own hands. But the moment I give my heart to God, ladies and gentlemen, I meant it. I meant it. I really did. I wasn't kidding. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I meant it. And the first thing I felt in my heart was the hand of God go deep inside of me and say, okay, are you for real? Yes, sir, I'm for real. He said, okay, this is what I need to change in your life. I said, Lord, go ahead. And it hurt. I lost friends. 
I was ill spoken about. I was ostracized by many and accepted here in the, it hurt. Things that I was used to doing in my life. When he came to music, he said, no more. I never went into a place like that anymore. It, it caused change. And I imagine sometimes, I think about it sometimes, if I had said no, you know where I'd be? I probably did. Remember, I had a transplant. And I'm not even an alcoholic. I wouldn't be here. But God had a plan for me. And that plan began not because of anything else I did other than just give my heart to Him. Some of us are standing at the edge of a miracle in your life. You desired God to do things in your life, but God can't do it until. Love His Word and let it do its work. Rock of Ages. Love God's word. Young people, let it do its work. Let it do its work, dad. Sister, let it do its work. Young people, let it do its work. If you'll let it do its work, you'll never, ever regret what you did. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.